The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today we're doing something really cool and different. We're going to radiate deliverance with the Reverend Sean P. Whittington, who is an ordained exorcist deliverance minister. That's a mouthful based in Las Vegas, Nevada. Welcome, Sean. I'm so excited to have you. I am too, Christy. It's a pleasure to finally get to meet you face to face. And uh, I've been really looking forward to this interview. And I really am very appreciative um, and honored to be asked to be on the show. Hopefully I won't let you down. Oh, I'm sure you will not because you're. I'm looking through your book. Sean is the author of God, Ghosts, and the Paranormal Ministry, a Supernatural and Spiritual Autobiography. And I'll tell you what, it's really kind of scary. I have, if I am being honest, it's a little scary. So Sean, how did you, so, so I have so many questions. So first of all, you are an ordained minister. You've Mm -hmm. got the, those of you watching on YouTube, see the Catholic dog collar, but you're not really a Catholic priest. Well, I was baptized Catholic, but ordained through a Christian university. But basically, when you see this, it's um, our way in in our field of uh, putting on the armor, so to speak. The black represents we're sinners, and the white represents that we are now spreading the word of God. Wow, at your throat shocker, which is so appropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of someone referred to it as the dog collar before. I, when you first said that, I thought you were, I might have left one of my dog collars behind <laughs> me on the counter or something. But I like that. That's that's good. I like that. Oh, that is too funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hear it referred to that as all the time. Um, <laughs> and so and it's sometimes being married for almost 20 years, it sometimes feel like I'm led around by a dog collar and a leash. But well, that's a different show. 
<laughs> I once spoke with a, an elderly Catholic priest. He says, I've been married to this ugly old lady called the church for 50 years. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, but you're the type of minister who does wear the dog collar, with the Catholic collar, I should say, the, the priest collar, and does exorcisms. How did you get into exorcisms, pray tell? Hmm. Well, uh, I'll give you, I know we don't have all day, I'll give you the abridged version of it. I, I'm going to steal a line that my mentor used to use all the time when she was asked the same question. And we got drugged into this kicking and screaming. At the, I realize now I was created to do this and it was a calling. And this goes, you know, I was able to trace back before I was even conceived. Events led up to me being here today on this path and being called to this ministry. But until you realize that, no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I'm going to be an exorcist today. And I don't have any magical powers. I'm just blessed to be able to be used as a vessel by the Holy Spirit and have whoever's willing to come through me when I'm, God forbid, in these situations to help me uh, do battle when necessary. But on that note, I wake up every morning and pray that I never have to perform or take authority over another exorcism again. It's a very uh, scary thing. You have to have a, it, it takes a special individual. And there's so many people out there now that self-proclaimed demonologists and uh, people that have gone to, I don't know where they find the schools to uh, get training, uh, but it's scary. And I, I get many of them come to me for help also because uh, they didn't really call, they weren't really called to this field and they found themselves uh, in over their head and now needing help from someone like me. So, you know, art, if you're to it. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned self-proclaimed demonologists. You do not consider yourself a demonologist. No, I judge anybody that uses that terminology. I'm not a big fan of that term. But to me, most demonologists that I know in the study a lot. I That wasn't my training, and it didn't really interest me to know about them. I'm much more wanting to know who I serve, which is God, the Holy Family, Jesus. Um, so I don't encourage dialogue with the uh, malevolent entities when I'm, uh, you know, uh, confronted by them. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really do a lot of studying them and, and my training is different that way. So I don't really use the, the terminology demonologist. Right, right. So what type of entities then do you exercise? I'll also be very honest with you about something else. There's no experts in this field and none of us, none of us have all the answers and none of us really truly deep down in our hearts and our souls know what we're up against. Um, these things are, um, I don't think I can even adequately put it into uh, terms as to just how much these things hate us and why they will target one person and not the other person. 99.9% .9 of the time when people come to me needing help, um, if they truly are being targeted or they're uh, oppressed or, God forbid, possessed, they usually did something 
sometimes knowingly, most of the time unknowingly, they've done something to give these things the impression that they've been given permission to attach. And once that happens, um, then it's uh, you need someone like me to help get uh, them, you know, uh, out of your life. But what I do is basically just I'm there to help you stand up against the bully. They're just like I, I refer to them as paranormal gangsters. And I put my arm around my clients, draw my line in the sand with them and help them stand up against it. And a lot of people don't realize, I know they've hit rock bottom and they feel their life's in danger and it truly is in danger. And that's the difference between uh, a haunting and a demonic um, case is life and death because they do want to kill you. But the people that are under attack and targeted are truly the ones that have the power to turn their life around and get their life back and push these things back. So hopefully I'm able to somehow convince them of that and walk them through the process of fighting back and turning their lives around. My approach isn't for everybody. I'm not trying to convert anybody over to Catholicism or Christianity. Um, just about everybody that you can imagine has reached out to me from another religious belief system for help. And I usually ask them, haven't you gotten any help from your church? And most of the time they tell me, well, I've tried, but no one there will help me. That's why I'm here talking to you now. So we've all come to an agreement that even if they don't believe they're praying to the same God I'm praying to, under attack like that, they, they know that there has to be something opposite of this, whatever this horrible thing is that's trying to suck their life force out of them. And whatever name they want to put to it is fine with me, but there has to be, we have to come to an agreement that there's a much higher vibrational power of love and light watching over us that you need to somehow figure out how to tap into that because that's where you're going to get your help. Um, to get, to, you know, to save your soul, because these things are after your soul. So um, it's, uh, we don't really know what these things are, but it's not fun. I guess if you could imagine, well, I've often referred to uh, Satan as just a psychopathic murderer who sat on the throne next to his creator and then tried to murder him and take over heaven and then got big war got kicked out and we're still in a war. Uh, we all know what the ending's going to be, but there's going to be a lot of battles in between and we're going to lose a lot of people, but that's just uh, the way it is. And right now with it being 2020 and we're going through some of the things we've gone through, I don't think it's the end of times, but I do believe that there's evil among us on a level that I haven't seen in my lifetime. Did it cause all this? I'm not sure. Did it for sure take advantage of this situation too and come in our come amongst us like a cancer? Absolutely. And so uh, that's the only kind of cases I work now. I, I just probably will get five phone calls today alone from people um, really needing some type of spiritual help or spiritual deliverance. Not all of them. Uh, are demonic, they might have some just regular old ghost attachments too that, you know, behave like a malevolent entity, but not demonic. But uh, so we're not really sure what we're at. I'm trained that they're all fallen angels. They were on part of Legion, part of Satan's army. 
And um, but do we really 100% know what they are? No, um, I get advised like I was going to work a Dybbuk case not too long ago, and I was advised by rabbis to not take the case because they wouldn't take the case because okay. there's some case a Dybbuk box. It's a, a Jewish demon that's okay. usually found in a box, a sealed box that somehow somehow and i'm not privy to that information this demon was captured by the rabbis and put in this box some people have these boxes handed down through generations and generations in some jewish families and along will come somebody who will open the box and let the, let the demon out and possessions almost instant but these some of these entities never inhabited a body and back in the the beginning of, of days, who knows when that was exactly, they don't have any fear of God because um, they just they just don't. So when you, um, I don't do religious provocation because I know when I show up to a house, the entities, if it's truly demonic, they're already provoked by my presence. And I don't want them lashing out at the family even more than they already have been. So there's times where I even will be advised to back off of cases and let certain cases go because we're sometimes we're just not really sure what we're up against. Wow. Oh my gosh. Uh, I have so many questions, Reverend Sean. Uh, well, first I'll, of I'll talk about anything. You oh just, my gosh. <laughs> oh my uh, the scary thing now, the scary thing now that probably is most scary to me and people say you get scared. Absolutely. Um, I'm only human, is complete integration. We've thought that used to be just demonic infestation, then oppression, then possession. But now we're thinking that some possessions that have allowed to go on for a certain amount of time, that eventually the invading unclean spirit pushes the, the original soul out and they completely take over the human vessel. So now you've got a living, breathing, walking around demon in a physical body uh, some people don't buy into that theory. I happen to be one that does buy into that. And you can just see some of the evil that people do. And so it's very, very, it just really, not for everybody. So I don't, even my students that come to me to get training, I let them know right from the from the gate, I'm not here to teach you how to be an exorcist or instruct you how to take authorities over exorcisms. I'm just going to teach you about spiritual warfare because if that's what they're intending to do, I already know it's not for them. Right. So you said that sometimes <clears throat> the possession will be so complete that the demon completely overtakes or this entity will completely overtake a person and they could be walking around among us. How would we know? Uh, usually after, after the fact, they're just, they, they eventually will do something like, um, let me give you an example. We had the mass shooting here in Vegas, worst mass murder of, in, in our history, the gentleman with the high powered machine guns out of the top of, I don't even remember what hotel was that. Was that Mandalay Bay? I think it was. I think it was. Um, things like that. Um, they, they commit those types of things and that's what they have to do. They can't invade this body, take it over, and then not do those types of acts because it's all um, uh, an abomination against you know mankind. We're all created in God's image. They, the hate that they have for us 
is uh, unimaginable, and it's uh, I I can't even really uh, properly describe uh, the hate that they truly. It's beyond hate. It's just uh, why hate? What? What? It is so much further beyond that. So it's hard to explain. But what? you know, when you are in the presence of these things, that it's just uh, they just uh, want to eradicate mankind because we uh, they lost the battle. They lost the war. We're creating God's image. And so any um, acts like that, that they can do to defile us as a human being is also defiling God. Oh, okay. So then from your perspective, your training, what is God's reaction to this? Would God not recognize us and drive these out? Without well, the, we're because we have been given um, free will. Correct. Right. If the person has done something, if they are not in a state of grace and they've done something to give this thing the the idea that it's been given permission to attach, then uh, they're not reaching out for help to God. Um, they may be an atheist, they may be uh, not Catholic, they may be a, a, you know, and I don't judge anybody, they may be Wiccan, they may be dabbling in the occult themselves, right. and I think that they're doing a bad thing, or just a, a good person that happens to be a ghostbuster and not really know what they're doing and not you know, being careful in it or playing with the Ouija board a lot and inviting these things in so they don't know how to help God. If the, if everybody that got <laughs> extremely possessed or had some demonic infestation in their home uh, knew how to reach, get on their knees and just out loud, meaning it, cry out to God and Jesus and ask them to intervene in their life right now and help me, it would be a lot better. I'd have a lot better turnout for a lot of these people, but a lot of people just don't know how to do that. It's shocking to me every day how many people I talk to that don't even know how to pray, who to pray to, or even how to say a prayer. They don't know the Our Father or the Hail Mary. or, And that's okay, but it's just, um, it's just, it's depressing. It really is. And so uh, I do a lot of counseling and try to help people uh, learn how to fight back. Right. Absolutely. Um, and you said that these, these beings want to take our souls what would they do what do they do with our souls you know what i so i listen to some people that will tell me and i was my wife and i are both victims and survivors of extreme demonic attacks wow. i do believe now my wife was left we went and worked a case where this is when we were just you know ghostbusters this is years ago when we were just a paranormal investigative team and we used a Ouija board on a case, not knowing any better. And I believed that opened a door and this thing attached to us and we it followed us home. That attack was primarily uh, targeted at my wife. And when the attack was over, and uh, that's when I reached out into the paranormal community asking for help, I was eventually introduced to my then mentor. She took me under her wing, helped me fight the thing back and get it out of our lives and out of our home. And 
it left my wife with three very rare forms of cancer. Now she is, uh, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, no history of cancer in her family. And the attack was so insidious that, uh, I I'm going to say within like a week's time, she went from talking with like she was having a stroke to not being able to talk at all or even swallow water. She had uh, squamous cell carcinoma develop on her tongue. That spread to a rare form of uh, throat cancer, and then that spread to her thyroid and became medullary thyroid cancer, which is the rarer of the two cancers. It has no cure for it, and it metastasizes elsewhere. And this is like bam, bam, bam. And she was down for the count, and we thought we were going to lose her. I, I tell people all the time, yeah, 35 straight treatments of radiation right into her mouth and her throat and uh, eight weeks of chemo, which almost killed her. Did that help? Absolutely. The, the oncologist, the radio oncologist, radiology oncologist, her chemo oncologist, her ear, nose, and throat specialist, they went in, did several surgeries. All of that, yes, saved her life, but it was also divine intervention. Yes. that saved her life yes. and she wasn't expected to survive. And, you know, um, five, six years later, she's still here with us. And we just recently did a, a full body CT again, and there's no uh, sign of any meds on her body. I mean, she had a feeding tube in for over a year, couldn't swallow water for months. And um, so to see her now be able to talk and go back to work and putting weight back on and eating and still here with us. And she's stubborn. She's also a, a minister through the Lutheran faith. So she wants to go on all these cases with me. And uh, it's, I, I, I'm scared. I don't want her to come on the cases because whenever we go there, I, that's how I know we're in the presence of true evil. They get, I hear them and see them. They get in my ear and start telling me what they're going to do to her if we don't leave. Um, because like they're just like gangsters they go after what you love but uh so the attack on her was really really bad and i say that she was she was on hell's doorstep what would have happened to her if i lost her i don't know but i was under an extreme attack at a case one time too mm -hmm. and i lost track of about 20 minutes when there were people sitting in the living room waiting for me to come out of a master bedroom. They knew I was back there investigating for them because they were having some issues. And I can't, I was attacked in the hallway and they never heard me. I couldn't scream. I couldn't call out for help. I remember feeling the sensation like I was bent over backwards and lifted in the air, but mm -hmm. I couldn't cry out for help. And the pain was excruciating. The smell was, excru was something like I can't even describe and I I heard what sounded like thousands and thousands of lost souls just in agony and crying out for help and I heard a little voice say to me pray dummy pray exact words and it sounded like my mentor now my mentor wasn't there she's several states away and she argues with me all the time and says she has the ability to um, to astral project and remote view and she thinks she's so close to me she knew i was in severe help in need of help and she said that to me i think it was my guardian angel who i've seen a couple of times in my life and i think she used my mentor's voice mm 
to snap me out of what I was going through. Sure. And I just remember all I could think to pray was the Our Father. And I probably said it 50 times. And I woke up on my back on the bed in the master bedroom, which was at the other end of the hall and in a room. And I never remembered getting there. Hmm. But I think when I sat up, I realized that I had urinated and defecated in my pants, which is something that I hadn't done since I was a little kid. And I knew something so evil had reached inside me. And I probably, many in my field say, I probably died and got brought back and probably had a, had a quick glimpse, not so much a glimpse, but a quick little on hell on the doorstep of, of, of going to hell. And uh, that was frightening enough for me to actually leave. I wasn't ordained yet. And I actually left the field. I left the training and left the field for about a year because, and I with no intentions on coming back. And then a good friend of mine, who's a pastor, uh, caught me on a good day. Uh, She was having difficulty with a demonic case and caught me on a good day and somehow talked me into going and working this case with her. And it was at that case I had a vision of the Holy Spirit, and that w- turned my life around and made, made me know that I always had somebody watching my back, and they were always there. And the very next case was a very severe demonic possession case that I had to take uh, authority over the actual in, um, exorcism. And had I not gone to that case with my pastor friend, I probably wouldn't have worked uh, the other case, too, and they were definitely cases that uh, I was, it was all in the cards for me to, for me to be there at that time and take care of that. Oh my gosh. Um, You mentioned that you even got into this field kicking and screaming. So is that what got you into it? Or you sounds like. Well, it was my wife. My, I look back, go way back. And I think of my, I've done so much ancestral research on my family and my on my father's side, there's a long line of warriors for Christ uh, in the bloodline on my father's side. And he had he swears his life was saved during World War II by his guardian angel. Mm. And then he met my mom after World War II. The Korean War, I believe, was still going on. She was in Brazil. He was working for naval intelligence in Brazil, met, fell in love with my mother, had my two older sisters there and then moved back to the States, still in the service. He went out to, um, she was, my mother is uh, really, well, they're both in heaven now, but she was a devout Catholic and very spiritual, sensitive, intuitive, psychic, mm. uh, came from an area of the country that's that's really into that. And um, he contracted spinal meningitis and cephalitis. Uh, being overseas, among some other things. But at that time, there was no cure for those. And I'm not sure if there is even today, but he was dying. And they he got back from being out to sea dying. And the doctor called my mother and said, if you want to see your husband again, mm. uh, you need to come in to the hospital now. So she somehow found somebody to watch my sisters. And she wasn't allowed to have any other children because the second my second oldest sister, her birth was extremely difficult. And uh, she was told no more kids because her and or the child probably wouldn't survive it, the pregnancy. 
So she went to this church on the way to the hospital and crawled on her hands and knees all the way up to the altar and threw herself on the, on, on the altar and just begged for my father's life to be spared and made a deal. I don't recommend people doing this, but made a deal with God that she would crawl on her hands and knees the rest of her life whenever she went to church because she was too old to do it any longer and she'd have another child. So she went to the hospital and fell asleep in my dad's bedside. He was handcuffed and strapped to a bed and in a coma. She woke up that morning. He was sitting up asking, why am I in this hospital? They ran all these tests. There was not any trace of any of the um, disease in his body at all anymore. And so my mom kept her promise. She crawled on her hands and knees from the front door of the the church to her pew, up to the altar, back to her pew and out uh, the rest of her life until she couldn't do it any longer. And she had another child. Yours truly. And always called me her miracle baby, which was a little embarrassing growing up. Oh, yeah. But always introduced me like that to people. But I started seeing spirit very young, and my mom just, knew she would tell me you're going to do something great for god one day um and i don't know if she knew what what it was going to be or not but she used to say one day you're going to do something great for god and i just kind of blew it off but i was a good catholic boy you know uh wasn't a bad kid done some bad things i'll admit um but it wasn't until uh my wife and i went through our thing uh with this demonic entity and then um my mentor putting her arm around me and saying, I've never seen anybody with a gift like you have when confronting evil. And I think you need, you're meant to do this. And then when she said that to me, all these things started flashing back to me throughout my life and how I'm even here. And I, I think all the way back to my father, you know, in the war, having his uh, guardian angel save him. And, um, uh, my mom with her situation with my birth and all that. And I just, it just, all the pieces came together and I just knew I was, this is what I'm meant to do. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And uh, it's, it sounds like you've been doing it a while and have really grown in it and have become, you know, a teacher and mentor yourself. Okay. I, I try to be, but I have, you know, I, I just mean my wife now. I used to have a big paranormal team, but I had so many people uh, come under attack themselves, have uh, entities follow them home, ghosts follow them home, attachments. And I got to the point where I, I didn't want to have to worry about anybody else anymore and be responsible for them because it was it was weighing down on me and keeping me from, from being able to be super focused on cases myself. So I decided it would just be my wife and I, and I try to sneak out and work cases myself, uh, which isn't advisable, but yeah. I still worry about her too, even though she's knock on wood, even though she's still better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's scary. Oh my God. It is scary. You know, my brother was into paranormal research as well and got out of it because it was, it was scary Yeah, because we can have these, these things attached to us. And you said that um, sometimes they will attach to us if we give them permission, if we uh, knowingly or unknowingly do something that gives us permission, like what kind of things would give them permission to come and take our souls? Oh, I, I'm thinking of this this one girl, uh, this really lovely girl that came out here as a tourist to Vegas, um, 
has a passion for the paranormal, not a real ghostbuster or a ghost hunter, but had a real passion for the paranormal. And she went on the ghost tour here. She learned on the ghost tour here that there was also another tour out at uh, Good Springs at the Pioneer Saloon. So she went out there. And during her tour there, um, people who witnessed it told me later in interviews that they were at a certain area on the tour in this one highly active area. And she invited the ghosts that were there that were being very interactive with uh, the team. Um, We're leaving now to go back down to the saloon. You guys are welcome to come with us and hang out and have a drink. Um, And can I say for sure that's what happened? No, but she was the only one on the team uh, on that tour that night that ended up having a very, very bad um, attachment. I can't verify 100% if it was demonic, but it was such a severe attachment. Now, here's another thing, and I don't judge. She was also a stripper. Mm-hmm. So she was coming out here on the weekend, making good money doing that, going back and doing real estate in L.A., and then on one of her weekends out here. And that was another thing I don't advise people to do. A lot of people, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, uh, out here in Vegas, I talked to a lot of prostitutes, a lot of strippers. That's that's not good stuff to be doing if you don't want these things to attach to you. So um, she had it really, really bad. And uh, when she reached out to the uh, Good Springs uh, ghost hunting team, they referred her to me. And this thing had such a severe attack on her that she was in my van. I, I, I sensed something uh, intense there. And I got her in my van, and I could only think to get her to hallowed ground. So I drove on to the parking lot of the church I go to. And usually this technique totally works. I broke out a bowl, filled it with hot holy water had her take her shoes and socks off. And I started washing her feet. You have to be so humble uh, because that's your weapon, love and humility. So here I am on my hands and knees washing her feet in holy water, like Jesus did many times to his apostles. And while I'm doing that, the entity came through her and spoke to me. But it wasn't, um, I didn't get the spidey, I refer to it as certain spidey senses I get when I'm in the presence of the demonic. And I also didn't think the demonic would have the power to do that on hallowed ground. So there, there I come back to these entities that are pure evil and powerful and may not be necessarily demonic, but they can do those types of things. And we call them jumpers and it jumps in for a little bit and then jumps out and it jumped in her long enough to, uh, have a little conversation with me, which was, I mean, it was in the middle of summer here. So you can imagine how hot it was in my minivan in this parking lot. Um, and it was all of a sudden like we were in an ice box. You know, my skin was all chicken skinned with the hair up and you could see our breath. And so it was uh, very, very scary. And ultimately, I couldn't I tell a lot of people in my field, a lot, especially students that come to me uh, for my class, that, like I said, we don't have all the answers. And I wasn't able to ultimately help her with this entity because it didn't matter what I did, uh, how much advice I reached out to in the field. 
we couldn't get this thing off her. So because she had really no religious belief system in place, I believe deep down inside, she wasn't totally buying into where I was coming from, which was allowing this thing to keep me have its talons in her. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, she went to a witch for help. And then I lost contact with her. So um, sometimes uh, cases end sad. That was sad to me to lose her that way. And it's sad to me to also sometimes refer people away. But I don't want to make things worse. If somebody's not 100% in my interviews before I even get going, you know, my you know phone interview, send them an intake form, we talk. Yeah. If by the time we're done, I know that they're not 100% ready to, you know, do whatever I need them to do for me to help them. Then I gracefully bow out and try to find another team to help them. Cause I know it's just going to make things worse. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I have questions about these attachments kind of in general. Um, where, where do they come from? What, where are they when they come in? Like where, where do they hang out? They're all over the place. And I don't have the article in front of me, but I just got sent an article where um, this priest who has been a priest for, he might even be a bishop, but he's also a doctor and a professor. Mm -hmm. And he finally admitted that there are ghosts because a lot of people in my field, a lot of priests uh, don't believe in ghosts. They believe in angels and demons and that's it. But he right. came out, he categorized them. Um, and he, his belief is that there is ghosts. I've always believed there was ghosts because I've seen them. My mother, when I was a little kid, told me, you're going to see a lot of ghosts and they're just people without a body any longer. But then I also saw the dark side too. And I could distinguish the difference between you know, ghosts and uh, malevolent entities or demons. And uh, so they're just all around. You got to be careful okay. what kind of person you are, the deeds you do, the things you think, the things you say and throw out into the cosmos there. Right. And you never know who's going to be listening um, and what's yeah. going to come of it. So what kind of, what kind of things would leave us open and, and vulnerable to these type of attacks? Uh, I would have to say all the basics, just, you know, going to seances, uh, psychic mediums have to be very careful and protect yeah. themselves a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, ghost busting, ghost hunting, working paranormal cases in residential areas. Mm -hmm. It's different than just going to a haunted place with a group and you're on a tour and you're able to investigate a little bit. But working in people's homes can be very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Um and just sins. There's a lot of sins out there that, you know, you can't go back and, and redo the deed. You can't go to back, can't go back to when the, the deal was done and change that yourself unless you are able to really um, change your life around. I mean, you can, there's some sins that are so bad that uh, a person has to just really change their life around. Mm. Um, yeah, I know that I do a little bit of this work myself. I, I work with entities and attachments in hypnosis and, and help release them. But I know that um, when we're blind, drunk, unconscious, drunk, heavy drug use, 
around people who are blind, drunk, and heavy drug use. Um, Sometimes when we have a a car accident or an injury where we've got this kind of shock and our consciousness is out or um, surgeries and being unconscious, that kind of thing. um, Would you, do you find that as well? I do. And, and people that are very talented at doing that, like you are, uh, you, and you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't already you got to be very careful too, especially with the wow. hypnosis thing. I've always wondered, you know, I've always wondered, and I've never done this, probably because I've been afraid to ask someone like you to come along and do that mm-hmm. uh, for fear of what might happen. But I've always wondered uh, during a possession, there's, they're not always present. They're present, but they're not always manifesting through the person right. during the exorcism. But I was wondering how a, a hypnosis session would work mm-hmm. on a demon who is already manifested through the person yeah. to try and get answers from them as to, mm-hmm. you know, what's your name? What's your mission? Who sent you? Um it can uh, be very effective. I, I just have to say it can be very effective. However, yeah, you're right. You have to set up a lot of protocols and a lot of protection. That's essential. Yeah. Call in a lot of angelic support, right? Because they're, yeah. <laughs> they can be nasty. Absolutely. And they that, that, I've always wondered how that would work out. I'm, I'm nervous to ask someone like you to come along with me on one of those situations. Um, but I've won because I don't know how to hypnotize anybody, but I've always wondered how the, what the, the you know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, and I I have to say too, I don't deal with the um the demonic type of stuff. And I can you can tell when someone comes in if they've got a demonic type of thing, but I've seen a lot of negative attachments. They just want to feel relevant, they just want to feel like they can still impact something. And they just don't, they can cause problems. So yeah, we, we actually live in a haunted house. Um, I do too. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, I don't, I know they're there and right, right. none of them, I believe it's a lot of uh, family that have passed over in visitation. I believe right. some of them were here when we moved in. And as long as it doesn't get uh, ugly and, and affect us in a, in a negative way, we just kind of, you know, let it be. We take a very uh, a let it be approach to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Why stir up something that could invite more to come in? Right. Why stir that up? I think that's a yeah. That's a that's a really good point. And you know, most I'm a medium too. And then you know, you, most places have spirits in them. I mean, it's rare that they wouldn't. And they ninety nine percent of the time they don't cause problems. But when they do, that's a that's an issue. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned things such as inviting them down to have a drink and using a Ouija board without setting up protection and protocol. I have friends that are love the Ouija board and they get mad at me hear me talk about it. And like I said, I'm not talking bad about it. It's just I had a bad experience with it. My wife did too. And so, but before we had this experience, we used them. Um, not all the time, but there happened to be the client happened to have one there at that case. Yeah. Yeah. And we were having a hard time communicating. So I, she suggested, you want to use my Ouija board? And we all jumped in and next thing, you know, uh, I won't do that again, but you live and learn, you know? Um, yeah. But I have a lot of friends that love using it 
And believe it or not, I have a lot of friends who are witches. I I have friends of all walks of life, yeah. all religious belief systems. Yeah. Um, as long as somebody, and they can be a witch, they can be a Wiccan and be still about love and light. Right. Uh, it's when they go, start going to the dark side and right. perverting uh, their belief system into doing, manipulating it into doing bad things or, uh, you know, getting things they want and stuff like that is when I have an issue with it. But uh, otherwise than that, I don't judge. But we, I'm not, not anymore, at least, I'm not a big fan of them. Yeah. Now, I I do believe that they're okay if you know what you're doing, but most people don't know what they're doing. And I always say, if you when you turn the light on, all the bugs come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's it, that's a great way to put it. It's the it's the bug light on the back porch in the middle of the summer with all the mosquitoes going at it. You know, absolutely. Yeah, they're drawn to it. It's like, hey, there's an opening. Somebody wants to talk to me. I want to talk to somebody. And it's like a chat line, you know, and it's just everybody shows up. And now I just wanted to send a shout out to some of our supporters. Julian, John, James, Marissa, Charlotte, Pauline, Becky, and Louise. Thank you all so much for keeping this podcast going. If you'd like to support this podcast too, please hit the like follow or subscribe button, or give us five stars or a positive review wherever you're listening and share this with your friends. You can also subscribe to Radiate You, our private Facebook group for bonus content, including classes and meditations. Another way to support our podcast is to go to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast and click on the donate now button. However you support us, we greatly appreciate it. And thanks for listening. Um, so I did want to ask, um, how do you know if you've got a possession? How do you know if you have an attachment? Um, I knew because of the attack was so, uh, well, yeah. on, on my wife and me, I, you know, I, I just knew I have the gift of discernment to be able to see them and hear them. So mm -hmm. if I'm on a case and they're there, they're, they're provoked. I, I don't, you know, practice the, uh, religious provocation, right. or, uh, you know, I don't believe in poking the bear. I try to, you know, do my thing. And it's for me, at least it starts like a bumblebee has flown into my ear mm -hmm. and the vibrating is so loud that at first I can't hear anything. And it's also a little disorienting. And then that vibration sound turns into, into a voice as though somebody standing right there talking to my ear and the um, it's the way they talk to me, at least, is so horrifyingly a matter of fact. Like um, Reverend Sean, nice to see you. If Sharon's not there, um, we're sorry that you couldn't bring Sharon with you. We have people with her now, and uh, we're not done with her yet. So yeah. it's not like Reagan and the exorcist talking to Father Marin, but uh, when you hear that. I'm done. It's just, it's just, <laughs> just so a matter of fact. Uh, it's, there's, there's, there's no games there. Sometimes there's some bad language and stuff, but not, 
not so much. I mean, you, you get the smell, you get, you know, the cold air. Um, uh, God, I've been bit and scratched a lot, even here outside my house. I do a lot of cleansing and blessing of my property, my home a lot, but sometimes I believe lower level uh, demons on a mission will kind of hang, you know, if I'm out in my yard, I might, you know, be walking and get a, feel a pain, go inside and have dinner and have my wife go, what'd you do to your arm outside? And we'll look and it'll look like somebody bit me. Um, so I have that gift of discernment. So I just know it's different than when I'm in the, in the presence of just, you know, uncle Tom or aunt Betty that happens to be hanging around watching over the family because they love them. And maybe they've even crossed over and right. somehow been given permission to come back and watch over their family too, like a guardian angel type of uh, type of way or a, uh, a spiritual, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Like a spirit guide. Right, 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 right. Um, but the, the demonic is a com- completely different, um, God, they hate us so much. It's just, um, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is interesting. So that would be the big difference between a, a, an entity, like maybe a negative entity and a demon is that the demon is, has a different agenda. Yeah, you can tell they're extreme. They're all knowing, very powerful. You got to be careful around them. What you say, what you, you know, hear them say to you, and uh, malevolent spirits, uh, just mischievous, malevolent uh, ghosts. Uh, they're much more, uh, you know, uh, loud. Let's say, you know, uh, scream at you. Uh, uh, not too much scratching. So maybe some hair pulling from ghosts. Usually don't scratch and bite. Maybe a push or a hair pull, but a lot of screaming, a lot of, I call them parlor tricks. You know, you, you hear the, uh, well, everybody will say, well, the demonic does that too. Usually for me, it's, I get like, uh, uh, like deliberate three taps, but ghosts, they'll stomp around in your attic. They'll, you know, things will disappear and then reappear. Um, like I had a friend over here the other day going to help me with some plumbing. He's Jewish, doesn't believe in ghosts. And he knows what I do and he makes fun of it a little bit, but here he is right in the middle of doing a job and he starts talking about how he doesn't believe in ghosts and he can't believe that, you know, I do what I do. And when we were, I've known him all my life. When we were young, Sean, that stuff used to freak you out, yada, yada, yada. For many years, I hid that from my friends because I didn't want them to know that I was think I was weirder than they already thought I was so I regret a lot of years I lost being open to a lot of really close friends but I've been going back and reopening up to them but he was going on and on and on about that and all of a sudden he just gets as white as a ghost and stops talking to me and then he looks down at his hands and he's just got the all the chicken skin bums and the hairs are up. And he just looks at me and goes, you know, I don't feel so good. I think I'm going to go outside and get some fresh air. He turns around and walks over to the front door. Now, I know for a fact the deadbolt was off. The doorknob was unlocked. Mm-hmm. And he can't get the door open. And he starts cranking on the doorknob, trying to get the door. And the more he struggles with it, the more he's starting to really freak out. And I knew then what was going on. So I just called out. I said, Hey, this is a 
good friend of mine. I've known him all my life. He's a good person. You're scaring the hell out of him. Let him out. As soon as I said that, he turned the doorknob. The door opened up, and he just gave me this look. He walked out to – he didn't even close the door behind him. He walked out to his truck, got in there. I thought he was just going to have a cigarette. Um, started his truck up and left, never came back. I haven't even heard from him since because I'm dying to ask him. He knows what the first question will be when he has, calls me is, so do you believe now? But um, So he hasn't even called me. I ended up having to get another guy come out and do the plumbing work, and he had issues. I said, Sharon, I'm going to take all the ghost be gone signs off our cars. Cause I don't want this guy seeing that. And if he's weirded out about that sort of stuff, we had like a mechanic come to work at one of our cars, saw the ghost be gone signs and didn't want to hang around. He goes, your car's breaking down because you got ghosts in it. And he just said, I don't want nothing to do with that. So uh, he comes over, I take the signs off my car and he goes to the, he goes, I'm going to go look at your plumbing outside in the back of your house. You don't go in the backyard because I actually, my pool is drained because we've had paranormal issues for 20 years in this home with the pool. And I was back there one day and something I couldn't see through me in the deep end, which really hurt because there's no water in it. So oh, we hard cool. to go back in the backyard. I bless my water system and I will spray holy water through the hose all from the front yard over my fence, all into my backyard around the perimeter and stuff. I don't like going back there. Right. I go back there with this guy because I know there's a lot of, uh, exposed plumbing back there and we're having some issues. He goes, you don't have to come with me. I'll be okay. Well, no, I just, you know, I don't want you to fall in the pool or anything. I just, I'm just going to come and you might need a hand. And he's, I'm behind him and he's crouched down on his feet, but sitting down in a squatted position, like a catcher in a yeah. baseball game. And he's working on this plumbing. And all of a sudden he raises his head up. Now I don't see where he's looking at, but he's looking off into some bushes. And he just sits there for about 30 seconds. And then he slowly stands up. And he continues to look in the bushes. And all of a sudden, he kind of takes a quick step back. And his head goes like that. He whips around and looks at me. He goes, did you see and hear that? I knew what I'd heard and seen. Somebody was talking to him. But I couldn't make out what this person was saying. And then we clearly saw and heard somebody walk off through the shrubs. He goes, what, what, what the hell just happened? I go, what, what did you hear and see? He says, somebody was just right there in the bushes talking to me. Well, I didn't hear that. I didn't want to admit to it. Um, I wanted to laugh because nobody got hurt, but I started getting nervous too. I'm like, well, how much more do you got to do back here? He goes, I'm done. I'm like, you sure you're done? He goes, yeah, I'm done. Well, right. Somebody was talking to me and then walked there and said, listen, the acoustics in the neighborhood it's really weird, and we're in a weird part in the back of my house. We're probably hearing somebody in their backyard talking or walking by out front or something. He goes, no, no. So he goes out. I pay. He, he does finish the job. I pay him. He leaves. I go out, and I put my magnets back on the car. He left something here and had to come back. Pulls in my driveway and sees the signs on my car. He was so upset. He goes, you, mm -hmm, you didn't tell me that you did this stuff and you know something happened back there. You lied to me. I said, I didn't lie to you. I just said that I didn't hear or see what you heard and saw. Right. And I apologized right. to him. He said, 
dude, you're out. He said, and that's not, I had other freaky stuff happening to me here. Um, other than just in your backyard, I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't want to scare you, but you know, you should have, you should have came clean with me when I told you that there was, you know, I get a bad vibe. He, cause right when he showed up, he said, I get a bad vibe from your house. How long have you lived here? I said, many, many years. There's no reason to have a bad vibe here. Nobody's died in it or, or anything, but, um, a lot of entities I think have also followed Sharon and I home a lot of years of paranormal investigating before, um, we became ministers. So I think a lot of, we had some followers, some that aren't malevolent, but now they just hang around. And, um, I'm sitting in probably the most haunted area in my home. And my wife walks by here sometimes and sees me just like this working. And she'll go, I can go into the master bedroom, go to his bathroom or something. There's things she likes to do in my bathroom. She don't want to do in hers. I don't know what that, you're a woman. I don't know what that is. I don't ask. So she goes, Oh, I can go in there. And then I'm, she actually will walk in the bathroom and there I am TMI on the toilet or something. I'm all, I'm in here. She go, no, you're not. You're in the office. I just saw you in the office. Every time she sees my, I call it a doppelganger because it looks just like me. I have experts saying there's some type of time thing going on there. They don't know, but I believe it's just a doppelganger. It's an entity looking like me, which usually isn't a good sign. It's not a good sign. No, it's not. But every time that happens, she sees this spirit of a young child walk out of the office down our hallway, out our living room and out the back door. And our dogs even see it because their heads will look at it. It looks just like the um, an entity in a picture that's in my book. And uh, so we believe it followed us here. We don't believe it's malevolent. Now, here's the craziest thing. People can buy my book on Amazon. They can also buy my book from me here in my office. I'll sign it put it in a house blessing kit, personally ship it to you. And some readers who have gotten the book through me, not Amazon, have told me they've seen that entity in their home oh shortly my after God. the book arrived. So, yeah, I've said the same thing. It's like the, the attachment is powerful enough to have some of the residue of it be on some of the books that leave here, along with being able to doppelgang me and look like um, – like a solid three-dimensional child that walks through our home. But the flip side of the coin is neither one of us have uh, get that heebie-jeebie feeling we get when we're in the presence of the demonic. So um, that we're, we're pretty stumped on this one. And the, the case is still open, even here in my own home, on that one. And we are still trying to figure out what that apparition is all about. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, you do mention, you did mention that your book can be haunted as well and you can find it on amazon.com. We can also, you can also order it from your website, which is ghost-b-gone.biz. Did I get that right? Correct. Ghostbegone.biz. Yeah. A lot of people go, what's the dot biz for? You charge for your paranormal work? We absolutely not. There's things like I sell the book there. I also, students can enroll in my class, Introduction to Spiritual Warfare through the Worldwide Society of Exorcists there. And there's also some things you can buy there, like um, 
t-shirts and i believe sharon put a hat on there and like like a coffee mug you know or a hat or whatever because it helps us uh with expenses but for our paranormal work we don't charge and i'm also a certified spiritual advisor yes the people who are having spiritual issues but not paranormal can uh, make uh, an appointment to speak with me about that there at the website. So I had to put the dot biz on it, but for just helping people with their paranormal issues, we don't charge for that. And um, good to know. And so you can therefore work with people around the world with the spiritual counseling, with the classes. I think this is much, much needed right now. Cause as you said, things are really heavy. There's some kind of dark, energy around us right now have have you even been out i mean we went into complete lockdown here in march and my wife and i since we're in the high risk area and we both have had our fair share of underlining health issues Mm -hmm. we decided we just would probably take a year off of physically going out working cases which has given me the time to do a lot more counseling and teaching Mm -hmm. um but we haven't physically gone to cases but we both work, I'm a veterinary technician and she's an office manager at the same animal hospital. She works days, I work nights. We have one car, so she comes home from work, tosses me the keys, I go back to the same hospital. And um, But I was furloughed for two and a half months and then just went back like three nights a week for a few hours to work in the very back away from people where I sterilize all the instruments. Yeah. and get the pack the surgical packs ready for the next day and but she's the office manager she's been there six days a week eight ten hour shifts i've been sweating bullets every day that she has to go to work but the owner tries to keep her away from people she's masked up all the time so we've been grateful that we've been able to have some income come in pay the mortgage buy dog food feed ourselves but at the same time, it's very, very scary. And we have friends that have lost their jobs, who had businesses, lost their businesses. Um, it's a scary year. Like I said, I don't know if the demonic caused this, but I know they're present on a level like I've never seen in my lifetime. And they've used this opportunity to manipulate it. And they're just moving around like a cancer amongst us. And you just see how ugly people are to one another nowadays. And uh, yeah it's yeah. just um so i don't know what's gonna happen would we just do a do-over of 2020 um and i don't know if 20 2021 is going to be much better for a little bit i don't know for a while well that just all this to say we need your services more than ever more than ever and so if anybody wants to take to learn more about um protection cleansing all this type of stuff, you're really a, a great expert to learn that from. So go to ghostbegone.biz, ghost-b-gone.biz. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Reverend Sean. This has been so much fun. I'm not done with you yet. I have I have a couple of shows, and you've already booked you. So. I'm so excited. <laughs> not sure when so we'll be talking again. We'll be talking again. That is for sure. Well, thank you so much, and until next time. God bless you, Christy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. 
to learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.